I'm Mark Steadman, a potentially bright lad. I'm John Bands, and this is my towel. I'm Danny, and I can't help it if I'm lucky. It was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet, stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign on the door saying, Beware of the Leopard. leopard, leopard. From the outpost, this is Beware of the Leopard, your A to Z of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. We're back to our regularly scheduled nonsense now, after last week's uh, clearing of the decks. So let's delve into the R's end of the Douglas Adams universe, as uh, it's about time. It's... It's about it's about time it's about time it's, it's, yeah. it's about time yeah R- yeah time Reverse temporal engineering is a new technology of unfiltered perception, which is a marvellous way of making anything you want to have happen, happen, without all of that tedious mucking about with probability drives or Italian waiters. Danny, is there a name for the kind of thing you add to a sci-fi or fantasy universe that can just solve any problem? Is it a deus ex machina, or is that a different thing? No, next. I'm getting good at this. This is brilliant. I just knocked that one out. Oh, you cleared uh, that one off. <laughs> brilliant. Five-minute episode. Let's do it, lads. I think, there is ju- I think it is just deus ex machina, or however um, normal people pronounce that. I think, yeah, I think that's literally uh, the only thing. I, I've been digging around trying to find anything else. Mm. And correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but um, there's no special name for... Um, I, I mean, I would call it doing a uh, War of the Worlds. Oh, it, it, it was just bacteria yeah. all along. Oh, oh, uh, you know, we built these uh, th- th- these adversaries up to be uh, almost unkillable. Uh, yeah, no, they're dead. Bye. Bye, finish now. <laughs> handed, th- handed this in. And, and it required no agency from anyone whatsoever. It was just a thing that happened that was completely yeah, passive. Any, any yeah, story, any story where the um, protagonists actually have no effect effect on the outcome of the story itself is uh, deeply suspect anyway. <laughs> I think it's often been said about Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. That it would just, I've not, you won't surprise you to say I've not seen it, but um, I'm, I'm aware that uh, it would, it would just, nothing would, if he didn't do anything, it, the same thing would happen, right? Yeah. The other bad one that, that particularly bugs me, and I don't know, do you know how I, I, I sometimes think about things and I can't stop thinking about things? Oh, yeah. Right, so there's the carry thing where, I, oh no, I've just reminded myself of it. Mm. And, uh, you know, the, the, the frog, the Warner Brothers frog that like only dances and sings to, to one person. Yeah. I think about that frog all the fucking time. Michigan J Frog, his name is. Oh. There's a, a recording artist called Winder K Frog. And I, uh, I wonder if they're related. Yeah, maybe. Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Hello, Hello my ragtime girl. Yeah, think about that frog all the fucking time. Can't stop himself. Right. So there are things that. No, I, no, 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 saying- no, 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 no. We're 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 not uh, we're not skipping over that. Why and what is the frog doing when you think about him? I don't know. I'll, I'll be. I'll be doing something like completely not related and then I'll, I'll be thinking about it and I'll be like, mm-hmm. you know what? Making a cup of tea is a lot like Michigan J Frog in many ways. And then my brain, or, or it's like, I wonder what, was it a black hat he was in? It was definitely a top hat he was wearing, but was it purple? Oh, I thought it was a, a straw boater. It is a straw boater, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so once I start thinking about it, it just keeps on popping up in my mind more and more regularly. Um, and my mind will find like even weirder and weirder connections. So yeah, sometimes I think about things like over and over again. Currently, I've got absolutely, completely, and utterly. You know how um, people get um, songs stuck in their brain, mm-hmm. and it's just like a cutesy German word for it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, people going about them. I always get um, not simply songs, but in the style of I'm sorry, I haven't the clue. <laughs> one song to the tune of another. Oh yes, mate. At- 
absolutely constantly stuck in my head. At the moment, it's um, Justified and Ancient by the KLF mm-hmm. to the tune of Morningtown Ride by the Seekers. Of course, of course it is, Jim. It goes, uh, Justified and they're ancient And they ride an ice cream van Oh, bow for Moo Moo Land. Anyway, let's have yeah. this. No, that's, that's, that's perfect. And then Graham Garden uh, uh, claps me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, uh, one of them, I think, I, I feel like I've brought this up before, but uh, one that, and I don't know the name of the tune, but you'll know it instantly. Um, the, the lyrics are, I've got a ferret sticking up my nose, or, or the, the ferret song. Um and uh, it's, oh, I think it's from Carmen, and it goes, I've got a ferret sticking up my nose. He's got a ferret sticking up his nose. How it got there, I can't tell. And now it's here, it hurt like hell. It just, it works perfectly. That's the, that, is that actually the lyrics? Well, if you translate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, probably. Most likely, yes. So what we need now is some reverse temporal engineering to get us out of this. Um, but... So literally, um, uh, Deus Ex uh, Machina is um, a god in the machine, god from the machine, isn't it? So this is um, a perfect description of your guide, Mark Two. Yeah, it really is actually. There's, uh, and I almost what it's the sort of thing that Douglas would have done to have come up with, oh, this plot's all fucked. I'm going to have to do this uh, thing, and he's he um, he talked about, um, and I think the improbability drive he says came from uh, watching a documentary about judo, <laughs> and uh, I think this is described in the um, forward to the uh, book of uh, radio scripts, mm-hmm. and it's described in a slightly non. Uh, PC way, where he suggests uh, that the what you have to do is take your judo. You have to take your problem and uh, use it against itself. So your problem, he said, is you've got a two hundred pound Jap bearing down on you, <laughs> and you have to use his two hundred poundness, but not his Japness. I know it's <laughs> against him. Uh, and make the, make his weight and his momentum his problem. So he swips it. So that was how he came up with the improbability drive. Apparently. Uh, saying that it's incredibly improbable that these characters would survive. Oh, I know. I'll make a thing that makes things, you know, etc. Mm. So it's all. It would not surprise me if Douglas essentially thought, "I can't think of anything to tie up this five book uh, trilogy." What I need is some sort of I don't know Deus Ex Machina. You know, some sort of god in the machine, some sort of machine that's all powerful like a god. What can a god do that could also be a... Ooh, hang on. <laughs> Indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, would like, I would like that to be true. Yeah. yeah that's, that, that, that is true now. That's, that's, I've decided. It's yeah. canon. It is canon and it's not racist, so we're in. <laughs> and uh, on we go to the man behind Slarty Bartfast. Richard Vernon played Slarty in the radio and TV series. He was born on the same day I was, and if he were still alive, he'd be celebrating his 94th birthday, but he died um, 21 years ago. Uh, In 1984, he played Uncle Felix in a TV movie called Night Train to Murder. (laughs) For 10 points, who can tell me his most famous credit? Okay, right, what I did for this is... Did you look it up? No, I... I didn't. No, that's the point. I didn't look it up. I looked at pictures of him. Good man. But I didn't look it up. And I'm going to have a stab at is he 
the caretaker in The Shining? No. Uh-uh. Oh, I punished them, sir. No, he's not that guy. No, he looks like that guy. He does actually. I know. I know a few things that he's been in. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if these are the things that Mark's thinking. Did of. you look him up? <laughs> no, no, I knew who he was. Oh, okay. Um, I can look him up. I've had the internet. <laughs> to to me, he will always be Sir Desmond Glazebrook from Yes Minister. Ah, yes. The uh, head of the yes, yes. head of the be- head of the bank. I can't remember the name of the bank. Could be bear. Could be bearings or something. He's a he's a dodgy banker. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he, and then he becomes, he becomes the uh, governor of the Bank of England and yes, prime minister is like a recurring character. Uh, is that the one you're thinking of? Uh, it's not. Um, weirdly, yes, minister um, doesn't make it onto IMDb at all. Whereas yes, prime minister does. Okay. He's also in the uh, Morecambe and Wise film, The Intelligence Men. Oh, wow. Uh, has Sir Edward Seabrook. <laughs> You're absolutely right. He is most uh, known for, in descending order, Gandhi. He's not Gandhi. He's not Gandhi. No, famously not. Another white guy plays Gandhi. <laughs> yeah, he played Sir Edward Gate. Um, number three is um, he played Slarty Bartfast in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, number two is he was in A Hard Day's Night. He was man on train. Um, but uh, his his top one is playing Smithers in 1964's Goldfinger. Mm. So that was interesting. It's a great performance, isn't it? The, as uh, as Slarty Part first, I think it is. Um, uh, part was originally uh, written for John the Mesro, wasn't it? Yeah, um, or intended for, intended for. Yes, I think he does. A, I think he does a very good job, uh, Richard Vernon. I think it's. Um, his delivery is um, interested, but not overly interested, which is brilliant. And uh, now to something slow and heavy. The River Moth is, well, a river. It is, as previously described, slow and heavy, and if you make a raft to sail down it, you can use a towel as a, well, a sail. Um, and that's about all we know of the River Moth. Danny, have you, um, by chance, perhaps recently had an encounter with a body of water? Yes. Uh, yes. Oh, God, yes. Um, so, I am in Mexico. I'm not in Mexico, but um, I'm taking you back using the power of my voice. This is the storytelling device, yes. yes. Uh, so, I am in Mexico. I am in um, a little beach town called... Uh, something that i can't pronounce it's something like porta escondido it means hidden port which is uh, which i always find uh, nice it's a, it's a little surfing uh, surfing uh, town um obviously on the coast because that's where we keep surfers um and i'm stopping at hostel and we go out the night before we go out uh, to a salsa club and it's it's very good and we drink a lot and uh, i get in very late even though i've booked a surfing lesson in the morning so I turn up at this surfing lesson and I am a little bit more hungover than I should be. Like there is, there's a certain amount of hungover that you can still function and you function fine, but it's not super pleasant. And then you tip into, okay, I'm not functioning as well. Um, and I, I was at that point, but the guy turns up and he's like, are you all right? And I'm I, I, I'm like, yeah, sure, I'm, I'm all right. I quite need a poo, I'm thinking, but I'm not going to tell him that because he's a relative stranger and probably wouldn't 
be interested in that particular fact. Um, so anyway, uh, we do we do the the, the the practicing popping up on the board that you that you see on Point Break, and um, then we we go paddle out into the water, and I am about two hundred yards from from the shore, and the first big wave comes, and I realise that not only uh, are my arms and legs absolutely absolutely destroyed after a night of dancing and drinking but also the waves are a little bit bigger than i'm confident about and i quite need a poo so um i said like i'm not an idiot i'd say to him look i am not ready to do this i'll still pay you um let's just go back and um i'll try another day and he's like yeah fine right so this guy's a local like he essentially lives at the beach and kind of the way he gets surf uh, is able to surf because he doesn't have his own surfboard is that he gives lessons and he uses the surfboard afterwards. Um, so he said to me, are you okay to just take the cuff off and swim to swim to the shore? And normally on a normal day, I would be fine. And I still think it's a normal day. Mm. So I go, sure. Yeah, no, no worries. I take the cuff off and I start to swim and I realise that my arms and legs are jelly <laughs> and I'm I'm swimming and I'm swimming and I'm swimming and I'm getting no closer to the shore and I start to panic and uh, the waves are coming and sometimes they're coming over me, sometimes I manage to like bob above them and, um, and it gets to the point where I'm like, I am in real trouble now. Mm. So I managed to make eye contact and wave him over. He he doesn't really understand, but he starts coming over far too slowly. I try and f- I try and float <laughs> for a bit, like like you know, just take a deep breath and and like float on my back for a bit. But I start going further out, and so I try swimming and swimming and swimming, and then I'm at the point now. It's like I have to swim now, otherwise I will die, and I genuinely believe that. Um, and like he comes over and instead of kind of helping me, even though I'm bobbing under the water at this point, he's just saying, just float. <laughs> like he's confused, he's confused about why I can't swim. <laughs> but not at all confused about the physics of buoyancy. Yeah. <laughs> and somehow I eventually like, uh, I, get, I get to the point where it's like, look, you can put your feet down now. And I'm like, oh, God, thank God for that. So I put my feet down and immediately go under the water because it's like another four foot of water and I was nowhere near a point where I could put my feet down. But then I get to that point and I drag myself out like like the most effort I've ever spent doing anything in my entire life, dragging myself out of that water. And I am so close to passing out. I am... I am so close, like, you know, the vision is like, uh, like blacking out at the edges and it's getting smaller and smaller tunnel vision. And there is one thought that keeps me from blacking out on that beach. And that is, if I pass out now, I will almost definitely shit myself. (laughs) (laughs) And all the other surf instructors will come on over and look at the guy that's been sick while passed out and also shat himself. Um, I, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm almost nearly passing out, like, and it doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. Like, I try and take some deep breaths, and it just doesn't go away. I manage to talk one of the, the ladies, and when I say talk, I speak absolutely no Spanish, so I managed to gesticulate wildly enough to one of the ladies to let me use the bathroom. 
and she's like, it's hits five pesos or, or, or whatever. And I'm like, look, <laughs> I literally don't have time <laughs> yeah. to give you any money right now, but no, I'm good for it. Yeah. So I, I managed to evacuate myself and I, I take a seat at the, at their table and the, uh, she's like, like, I think what she says is we're not open, but do you need anything? Mm-hmm. And I say, uh, a bottle, uh, like aqua, aqua or aqua, uh, for water. And I take the money out of my, out of my, um, little surf pocket that I got on my trousers, little waterproof surf pocket. And I hold it in the air and I pass out on the table oh. with my hand in the air and the money in my hand. <laughs> and I wake up. I don't know how long later. And she's took the money and <laughs> give me the bottle in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I was on that beach for a couple of hours before I could actually stand up and and leave. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't die that day, but the dream of me being a surfer, living in a van, driving around the coast of Britain surfing, did that that future died on that beach when I nearly shit myself. That could have done with a happier ending, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> not, that just, not that it's just anybody should have wanked you off while you're unconscious. So, as a, as a, a momentary distraction from the alphabet, um, although, weirdly enough, we've picked a letter that's not super far away from the one what we're on now, um, we were talking about satire uh, as a bit between us, and... Um, looking at the question of whether because I, I was i was wondering how much we could categorize the hitchhiker's guide as a spoof and whether that is a a worthwhile conversation to have but i think also um john i know you you've been reading um some literature at the moment about um whether the modern world is is even satirizable um and i know we talk a lot about what douglas would have thought about this thing or that thing but i think we could at least start um opening the floor for questions um by asking is the hitchhiker's guide satire okay um first of all define satire and how is it different to a spoof john oh well a satire as Stuart Lee would say has got animals in it (laughs) (laughs) well basically a, a satire has to have a message it's normally telling you something about the subject by way of um, allegories or uh, or things like that. So, um, yeah, Animal Farms. Animal Farms is satire. Yeah, would would satire not be sort of it, it's spoof, but with purpose? I, I I think you can have satires that aren't spoofs. Oh yeah, very much. Um, yes, I think you a, sp- a spoof uh, takes on the form and laughs at the form. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah. So so um, Spaceballs is a a spoof, but Starship Troopers is a satire. Oh, that's that's a great that's a great way to explain. Yeah, that's that's a really good definition. Um, possibly a a, a, a a well a way of thinking about it that, that just entered my head is that satire you can remove the comedy and you still have a thing. Um, you still have an underlying metaphor. Met- metaphor. I've taken that from the Hitchhiker's Guide. The underlying um, metaphor. I can't put my mind in the surrealism of the underlying... Yes. Um, 
the, the, yeah, if you if you take comedy away from satire, what you've got is something that's quite earnest. Whereas if you divorce the comedy from the spoof, all you're doing is just saying that's a thing I've seen. Yeah. If you take uh, comedy away from satire, you've essentially got the Daily Mash, <laughs> oh, which works entirely wow. on recognition. So, getting back to, is it a spoof of science fiction? I personally wouldn't say it is it uses it i say it uses science fiction Mm -hmm. but i wouldn't say that it sends it up it doesn't it doesn't follow the tropes of science fiction closely enough Mm -hmm. there's one there's one gag about a split infinitive in there somewhere isn't there i can't remember yes that's exactly that is exactly the one that is in in my head john um is the uh the men boldly splitting infinitives uh that no man has split before um that is the only reference I could point to that is a straight up, as you would say, a, a send up of of um, of the form. Um, and I think he satirizes other things, and he sp- arguably spoofs other things. But yeah, not really. Yeah, I would say it's not it's, really yeah, sci-fi. It's a satire, but it's not really a satire of sci-fi. It uses the no. It uses the um, some of the stylistic well, uh, conventions yeah. of of um, of sci-fi, but it doesn't even follow them closely enough. <laughs> to 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 be a, a send up of them. Yeah, but I mean, um, I've been. I think what made me think, uh, what's making me think about that at the moment is, um, I've read, I I've read a, a, a book which was um, promoted. Well, I read a little bit of a book that was promoted <laughs> on the idea of that if you like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, you will like this book. Okay. I don't just mean like an automatic uh, recommendation. It's this is what the publishers have said. And I mean, uh, I'm not going to absolutely crucify it because somebody might really like it. <laughs> uh, but I, I bailed after a, less than a chapter, I think. Battlestar Suburbia, okay, uh, it was called, and it, it was um, it was most definitely a satire and a spoof mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. and it was very heavy mm. satire uh, set in a sort of uh, Earth set in space, but with the trappings of suburbia there was a hairdressers in it and uh talking lampposts and stuff and it's going like someone's but it was not satirizing space it was satirizing modern day suburbia in the sense of oh isn't it funny we've got all these things or or, or whatever sort of in the same way that the flintstones satirized the modern appliances of the day um by making them all animals <laughs> it was it was it was satirizing. It's a living. It was uh, <laughs> satirizing. <laughs> Thank you. It was satirizing. Um, no, it was satirizing sitcoms, wasn't it? The the uh, yeah, it was satirizing sitcoms and, and maybe the nuclear family. Yeah, I wasn't suggesting that's the only thing it satirized. I was, I was using that as one one example of a thing that it did. But yes, I, uh, no, I'll take you, your thesis is that Flintstones is entirely about <laughs> about black. It's a living. You're telling me this not a documentary? Isn't it weird? <laughs> right. The, the Wu Tang Clan's best, so- like, best last song, right, was for the Flintstone soundtrack. Uh, you lost me there because I didn't realise that the Wu Tang Clan made a song for. Yeah, the song Gravel Pit. It's their last. It's, that was that was made that for was, the Flintstones yes, movie. They all took they all took um, Flintstone names like Bobby Boulders and stuff, like like Method Man became Bobby Bobby Boulders. And that was their their, their, le- their last best song, and it was for the Flintstone soundtrack. I don't, th- I don't think it was. Are you sure? Yeah, fairly. Mm. 
I mean, you can make that noise. Mm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> by, by all means, <laughs> by all means, make that noise. It's not, it's not my most articulate argument, but you know, it has it has its merits. <laughs> it sounds it sounds like the same way that um, the Carry On film took the sets from the uh, uh, Burton and Taylor, Cle- Anthony and Cleopatra for Carry On Cleo. It's exactly the, the same. The, uh, the Wu Tang just uh, pops along and used the the ex- heavy, hugely expensive sets that were made for the Flintstones movie too, uh, Rock Vegas. And uh, yeah, borrowed them. <laughs> um, satire, then. Well, I think yeah. I, I don't know. So there's um, there's another uh, very there's a very good satire that I've been reading um, recently as well. Uh, I've read the new Jonathan Coe. Um, Jonathan Coe, uh, which I started. I read first read Jonathan Coe book because it was set in Birmingham, and not many books are. <laughs> um, but he's genuinely good. Mm. And uh, he's just uh, he's just released a huge sort of lolloping satire of now us us here now. Is this Middle England? Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's um, if you'd been in a, if you'd been in a coma for the past couple of years and wanted to know what the hell was going on in this in, this here England, mm. you may you'd Septenile. be much better off reading this book mm. than um, I don't know reading any of the newspapers mm-hmm. or uh, watching the telly. Um, although it, it, it does sort of, it, it, it's, it does feel very much like he's um, sat down with a timetable of all the things he is uh, done. And if at one point one of his characters rings up another one and goes, "Oh, there's your prince dead." <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I mean, he doesn't say it like that, but uh, <laughs> but uh, it's a little. Uh, yes, it's, it's it's slathered over the uh, the modern happenings of Britain. But um, and I was wondering if it's but it's 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 good. It's not good. But it's not great. And I was wondering if that's because he hasn't taken it out of its situation. Ah. The better. In order to throw it more into sharp yeah. relief, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're really good satires. Your uh, proper um, Swiftian uh, satires mm. have to be removed um, from, uh, such as the uh, satire of the uh, paper industry uh, and its wartime uh, rationing um, that was uh, set in Reading. It was written by uh, Henry Foyle. Uh, the guy who invented the cardboard box. So, um, so, so if Hitchcock is is a satire, what is it a satire of? It's a, it's a satire of the uh, of it's a satire of all of the weirdness of uh, modern life, isn't it? In the sense that the it's a, it's a satire of um, well, it's a satire of the reluctance of the Englishman. It's a satire of our reliance on technology. It's a satire on our trusting the media there's it's a satire on our, the, the modern condition i've always maintained that, that hitchhikers is is, is, a, is a comment and an explanation of and a love letter to but also a criticism of being english <laughs> i'm glad we got there in the end. Yeah. <laughs> that was very adams that was very adamsy and there were so many parentheses in that it was lovely all of those things and I, I think something can Absolutely. I think something can be all of those things at once. Yeah, it's also wider than that, isn't it? Like he's commenting on on human nature and uh, the silliness of the way our brains work and how we work in big groups. Uh, and now to the man, all the rain clouds just want to be close to. Rob McKenna is a rain god with 231 different categorizations of rain documented in his little book. All he knew was that his working days were miserable and he had a succession of lousy holidays. All the clouds knew was that they loved him and wanted to be near him, to cherish him and to water him. 
He's played by Bill Patterson in the radio series, and he's a rather dreary chap. John, um, we, the podcast has now descended to uh, the, the um, point at which I'm going to ask you a would-you-rather question. Um, so, uh, would you rather uh, be rained on all the time or um, have a hand made of ham? <laughs> Sorry, that is a reference to another podcast. Hands are made of ham. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. Um, John, would you rather be rained on all the time or live in a microclimate that was always just that little bit too hot, like sort of uncomfortably hot? I'd go for rain, but I think we're all going to get both of those due to the catastrophic climate change that's coming. Oh, my God, you granola-eating, Oxford-dwelling, hippie motherfucker. Just because he stole exactly the point that you were going to make. Absolutely not, no. <laughs> the point that you've made numerous times before <laughs> that we are all doomed. Oh, yeah, no, we're all doomed. We are all very much doomed. And, I mean, as I sit here in my... Uh, Ivory Tower. Hut. <laughs> uh, the rain bashing against the window. He's. Ve- I'm very feeling very much like the man in the shed, actually, because I am in. I'm in a shed, <laughs> and you are and, also. Um, man. I'm also a man, and sometimes. Have you got a cat that you call the Lord? I sometimes shout, "Oh God!" at the cat after he's shat <laughs> places. Um, no, but I think the. Uh, I love the character of Rob McKenna. I th- I've talk. I know you. Um, uh, talked uh, last week very much about the idea of a spin-off <laughs> universe. Um, I'd go for a, very much. I'd go for a. Yes. I'd go for a Rob McKenna spin-off. Actually, were you so bitter that we talked about uh, the spin-off universe so much? Yeah, th- wh- what you said. I'm, I'm not sure if you realise it, but what you said was in italics. <laughs> Is there anything you want to share? I don't know. I just. I don't know. It's just that. I don't. It's just. It just. It sounded fun. I mean, I don't know if it will sound fun to the listeners, but. It sounded fun, and I wasn't there for what I left yeah, out. We're only 45 episodes in. We're through worrying about whether it's fun for the listeners. <laughs> I've got, I mean, <laughs> we've just got a mission to complete at this point. It's just about getting just, through it. Yeah, just get your knobs out and c- carry on. The, the uh, only way out is through. Hmm. So you want a, you want a shared universe, uh, spin-off universe with the the Rain Man? I would totally watch that i would totally just he doesn't have to do much um it's just weird you know that sort of slow tv move yes i would just watch this bloke getting on with his everyday uh things doing his driving it could be um like a detectorists yeah he doesn't even have to talk to anybody it's just constantly raining yeah uh it would just be on one channel like um the truman show um just constantly following this guy and you could you, anytime you wanted to cheer yourself up you'd go oh, i wonder what old rob mckenna's up to he's putting his watch in there oh come on <laughs> that seems the a foolish thing to have done yeah uh, so so basically so i i was thinking of a slow sitcom like the detectorists but what it sounded like you were describing was more of a twitch stream i don't know what you're having a twitch no yeah i don't know i just watched that i would just watch that crap um yeah well, we know I <laughs> Did you get through the uh, box set of brushstrokes? I haven't started yet. I'm waiting for you all to do a podcast with me when this one <laughs> finishes. Because of you, the Brushstrokes podca- Watch Along podcast. Uh, and now, this... 
Uh, the Room of Informational Illusions is a deck on the starship Beastromath that basically equates to another version of VR, like the sensor tapes from the original book. Uh, we already discussed my findings on this topic last week, um, but I've put it here to satisfy the spectrumy part of my brain that would be annoyed if things were in the wrong order. Uh, so with that done... VR is shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we came to that conclusion last week, John. AR is also shit. Um, and opinions are like arseholes. All the ones I've seen got out on the internet get ripped to shreds. <laughs> uh, so with that done, uh, let's discuss a man. It would be very handy to know in a pinch. Rooster rescued Zaphod from Ursa Minor Beta during the bombing of Megadodo publications. He was played by Alan Ford in the radio series, uh, which probably makes him the galaxy's resident wide boy. Right? Um, he has a towel which contains a number of flavourings, uh, chemicals and other substances that you can ingest by sucking a particular end. Hmm. Do either of you have ingenious travelling or packing tips that you can share with a listener? If anyone might might want it, would be if anyone tells you you can get ingest in uh, ingenious substances by sucking a particular end of anything. <laughs> um, Take him up on it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I want to talk about Rooster for a second. I like the character Rooster because it kind of infers to me that there's a whole class of people like hitchhikers like a you, you know like a D class yeah so you could be a bard you could be a wizard you could be a warrior or you could be a hitchhiker yes absolutely and it kind of hints at like uh, there's just a, a a class of um laid-back drunks like uh just nosing around and it got me excited about a uh, Hitchhiker's Guys of the Galaxy role-playing game, um, which uh, I briefly set out in my mind and then abandoned as too much work. <laughs> while we're on, uh, while we're on Rooster, I always think that Rooster's a terrible character. Oh, okay. I Ooh. think he's got he's got no depth of, of any of any kind. He just he he comes in and he exists. He he is actually a little. Uh, uh, God uh, from the machine in the sense that he's he's simply getting Zaphod out of that predicament. Yes, he's a meat-shaped plot device. No, I, I concur with that. Yeah, and also I hate the name. Oh. So you've got, I think, in Hitchhikers, you've got uh, names that are doing different jobs. So um, Ford Prefect's name was a, a gag that we were all too young to get. <laughs> um, Arthur's uh, name is not a gag. It's um, he's meant to be this sort of every man sort of uh, thing. It's meant. So um, if you, when you uh, talk about uh, 1984 at school, one of the first things the teacher will tell you is that, Oh, he's called Smith. That means he's ordinary, but Winston's quite unusual. Hmm. So it's a dichotomy there. Um, so a lot of the names are doing um, lots of different things. So Zaphard is spacey. And Trillion is like, you know, it's also, it's meant to be spacey, but with an earth root and everything. But Rooster just sounds like one of your point break fucking surfing hippies. It just <laughs> sounds like a fucking hippie. It's just that there's nothing to stop any American. He sounds American. <laughs> that, that is your accusation. <laughs> you, sir. That was your, that was your mic drop you, moment. Sir, it sound was all leading up to American. that. Well, no, I, hadn't, I, had, I hadn't been working. I hadn't been working myself up to that. It just came to me. <laughs> I was, it just made me real. He's essentially sounded like an American high school fucking hippie type character. Speak, speaking from the radio series, Rooster was um, he was he was a word boy. You know, uh, Alan Ford is um, he is IMDb's um, London gangster go to 
um, person. Um, so uh, packing tips. Uh, packing tips. Uh, okay. Uh, roll your clothes. Don't fold them. Okay. Half your clothes. Twice the money. That's that's. A, that's a, what does that take mean? Take half your clothes. Half the clothes that you're going to intend to oh, take. Take half of your clothes and twice yep. the money that you're intended to take. And the best way to smuggle a bottle of vodka across customs is in your blood. <laughs> well, that is it. Um, we we did it. We we uh, we got through another one. Um, well done, everybody. I'm I'm, I'm proud of us all. Um, well, you can uh, you can follow Danny now that he's back uh, at probably drunk on uh, on the Twitter, and uh, you'll find John Bounds over at Bounder, and you'll find me at I am Stedman. Come and say hi, and uh, you'll find the show at BTL Podcast as well. Uh, be like our friends and come and interact with us and tell us what we've missed um, or done wrong, because uh, we love we love when you do that and and um, and don't write um, five star uh, reviews on Apple Podcasts. We love that. <laughs> uh, but well, thank you very much um, for listening. We will be back again next week. So, until then, share and enjoy. This podcast is produced by Podient. To find out more, visit podiantproductions.com. I'm going to, uh, next time I'm bored, I'm going to go and cut that together for you. Oh, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do a mash. I'll do a mashup of the B-52's Flintstones with Gravel Pit. Yeah, if you would. Grab the mic with no excuses in a sec. Grab the text and do this. Executing, shaking no sets. And now breaking no hex. I'm taking no bets. Move on bets. Who won't the draw next? You won't stink. We got the bigger bank. Bigger shank to fill your tanks. Still the same kill for Bill. Fry and crank, slide, do or die. Fry the bake, admire the grades. On fire with a heart of hate. Be the shark, every part I take. Heavy darts to quake. It's okay, all fakes. Get caught by the drop kicks. You know the thrill. Yes, it's Park Hill. Yo, we hit him with the hot wrist. On the go, check the flow. Singing woo, don't rock shit. Stop quick, hold the gossip. Stop sweating my pockets. I hear the hot shit. Check out my grab.